Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Bang. Oh! 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 Sapped it in, Jerome! Is March Madness. Well, hello, college basketball lovers. It is Mad About Hoops. Thank you so much for listening to us wherever you grab your podcast material. I am Timmy Hall sitting next to my good friend decked out in his Butler Bulldogs hoodie. A navy blue with the poppin' white with the big white drawstrings. Evil bald, Colin. Good to see you, man. It's good to see you, Tim. Yeah, it's a very big weekend heading into the holiday break I, w- I would put it we uh, most teams get about a week break with the christmas holiday coming up and everything going on um it's going to be very interesting i mean there's plenty of hot headlining games going into this weekend that could be defining moments for these teams that they can go into the break come back refreshed and make the stretch run i think there's a lot of teams that have some big things to earn this weekend let me start off let me start off the podcast by asking you about that this it, it's sort of two different paths that you can take we have the early, the earlier holiday tournaments, which are the Thanksgiving. There's two holidays, really. So we can have two different sections of the college basketball season. There's not really tournaments here, but there's a lot of sort of holiday classics. Neutral site things, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we have a ton of neutral site games. Even, like, lower-level mid-major things. Like, I was just doing some updates here at the Fan in Columbus, and you've got an Atlantic City, New Jersey boardwalk classic which Bowling Green is playing in. I think that's awesome. That's really cool. Like you get to go to the boardwalk in Atlantic City, New Jersey, even though it's quite cold, but it's a cool surrounding and a cool setting. I mean, you can get your Ocean's Eleven on and just have some fun. Maybe if you're one of the guys on the team that's of of age and 21, you go and hit some tables. I don't know if they allow you to do that or not, but... I don't think they do. Don't make any bets. Don't go all... uh, uh, what, what's the cornerback's name? Josh Shaw and go making okay. bets on college basketball. Right. We don't need any kind of Boston College scandal surfacing again. But these well, are that really was, that was point shaving, point, wasn't it? It was point yeah. shaving. Yeah, the famous the mafia, BC. right? I saw that E60 or whatever it was. Yeah, how'd that work out? How'd that? How did that end? I didn't catch that one. I uh, it's kind of fuzzy to my memory, but it was it was really weird. Like the, the mafia had ties in with the athletic department, and they were able to influence the coach. <sighs> I, I, I kind of want to put it to the same level of what Adam Sandler in The Longest Yard had to do with the, the warden, and he kind of like, you know, encouraged him, you better lose this game for me type of thing. Oh, God. Adam Sandler. I got the fries that'll cross your eyes. The Longest Yard, the newer one, which still had right. Burt Reynolds in it, so that's good. That's good for the younger crowd. Nobody got whacked, right? No one no one got whacked in this story? I don't think so. I, I Like I said, it's kind of fuzzy, but I just remember seeing it. was in the 80s. That, yeah. Yeah, who knows? But no, the point I was the point I was starting to make there is you've got you've got teams that sort of take it easy around Christmas and you know have lighter games on their schedule. Maybe like the last game or two of your low-level non-conference opponent that you will schedule for for your home gym. And then you've got teams that are going out there and getting involved in some really big neutral site games. If you were a coach, Evil bald Collins, say at the say at a power conference level, 
which approach would you take? Would it differ based on what you have? Like, I mean, you don't really know what you have, you know, years ahead when you're scheduling these things. So it's kind of tough to do it that way. Right. What would your general philosophy be? Well, it just, I can't really put myself in the shoes of an AD right now because you got to wonder, it all depends on where the openings are in your schedule, when teams can play and whatnot. I, I guess there's a lot of factors that come into play. To me, it really doesn't matter. As long as you have these games on the schedule, I think is what matters the most. But if you're asking me, would I rather play a Kentucky going into the break or a Southeast Missouri State, I'm probably going with the better game. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I would rather play the better teams then than get my break and get ready to start conference play. No, I I completely agree with you. I And like I said before, when you make your schedule, you've got to – you can't really know for sure if you're going to have a stronger team. If you take, like, you're a coach that's planning on being at his job for 10 or 15 years, you're going to have years that fluctuate. If you're a big moneymaker, you would, you're like a Tom Izzo, or even take a Chris Holman here at Ohio State now, you're going to be expecting to be above 20 wins every year. But still, you're going to have some seasons where you don't love your team as much as the next. But you can't really control that when you choose to make a schedule this way. I go, I go uh, off of power and putting great teams and also great trips on my schedule. I would always, if I'm in a power conference, I would always get my team involved with something. CBS Sports Classic. Uh, what do we have? The Chicago Legends at the United Center. Which, let me tell you now, is going to be a heavy Flyers contingent there. Of course. It's going to be huge. It's awesome, right? Dayton, Colorado, and Cincy in Iowa. A little Cincy, Iowa rematch from what happened at Nationwide Arena in the tournament. Hands down, I'm doing that every single year. I would. Yeah. We'll have all the all the other pockets to get our home game cupcakes. Why would you not want to go out on the recruiting trail and say, hey, look, guys, every single year around Christmas, and, and you never play on Christmas Day. That's the other good thing about college basketball, different from the NBA, is you don't get, have to lose that. You'll get some time, I'm sure, for your family to travel either into your college town or maybe you get a couple-day period where you can go home. And you get to play a Kentucky or a Duke or a UNC or a UCLA. It's like, hey, guys, we're going to go either to New Orleans, Las Vegas, New York City, or Chicago virtually every year. Oh, okay. I'm an 18-year-old. I'm a 17-year-old. Yeah, sure. Sign me up. If Ohio State says they're going to do that and, uh, I don't know, Iowa State, just pick any power conference team, says they're not really doing that or they're not really sure, we're going to play, like you say, uh, Drake maybe on a Friday around Christmas. Uh, I'd rather go somewhere cool. I, I want to cherry pick the point that Jim Beheim made at the beginning of the year. It's not exactly the same. But I want to kind of carry the idea off of it. So he oh, was, Jimmy complaining? Yeah, right. But he was complaining about starting the season with a conference game. Totally understand that. But I kind of want to cherry pick the idea of it. So playing a bigger game at the very forefront of the season. I would rather play that where we are now in the middle of December because yes. the team is more well-established. I guarantee you if you play that Cincinnati game over again, it's not a single-digit game. I think Ohio State would be in a better position to where they would be into the flow of the season, you, you saw it with some of the guys. They looked a little bit rusty in that game. As the games went on, they started to look better. I think they win that game by about 14 to 15 points at home. Like, for example, I'm looking at, and we're uh, we're giving you this uh, s seventh episode, right? 
God, episode right. episode seven of Mad About Hoops Week Seven College Basketball. Looking at our top twenty-five schedule for the day that we're recording here on Friday, December twentieth. Just to give you a little frame of reference, because you might be listening to us on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whatever. Penn State is hosting 0-11, and they can't control that Central Connecticut is 0-11, but they can control that it's Central Connecticut, and they're hosting that team tonight in a sleepy 6 o'clock game at the Bryce Jordan Center. Like, that does nothing for me. Nothing at all. I would rather play that earlier. Give me, like, Penn State playing San Diego State. Something like that at a neutral site. You choose, like, the number two team in, in L.A. or something. <laughs> right. Right? Uh, yeah, I would rather do that. Yeah, that's just that's. I'm, I'm the resume. It, I I don't know. I don't really know any college basketball fan that would disagree. But we bring this up because clearly not all of college basketball is in on this. I mean, if you really siphon it down, it's only it's only a handful of, of a handful you know selection of teams that are doing this. Some of them have some built in things too. Like, uh, do you know about the Kansas Villanova matchup? I believe this is part of a Big East, Big 12 type of thing. Well, I do know it's connected because I'm a Butler fan and I watched that. They played at Baylor. I think that's part of that series, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. And I, the Big 12 seems to have a lot of those going on. Like, they will, they'll do some things what with... they do with the SEC. They'll do some things with the SEC. Yeah. They'll do some things with the Pac-12. And clearly they're doing things with the Big East. The more that you can get involved with things like that, it's it's the better. It's better for your squad. It's better for the fans of college hoops, and I, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of actually taking a trip, just a personal trip to Philly soon. And I, I wouldn't want to see if I'm going to see that game. I would want to see Villanova and Kansas at the Palestra if they could borrow, and that's not even their gym. Good luck getting that's in Penn's there. gym. Good luck getting in there, even if they did. I think that they've actually done that before. I have to look that up now, but I think Villanova has played a game not against Penn at the Palestra when one of the big teams came to town. It might have been a previous matchup with Kansas. It's funny you mentioned that. I saw somebody back during the Army-Navy football week mention that, you know, that Friday before the game, they should play a game between Army and Navy in the Palestra the day before. Kind of create the buzz in the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey, uh, we'll take a a quick little uh, few-second break here. To us, it's more than a few seconds, but to you, it's magically only a few seconds. We uh, tell them who we got. Tell them who we got on this podcast. We're excited. Yeah, so we got one of the leaders, a senior guard for the Dayton Flyers. Trey Landers is going to be on with us here on Mad About Hoops. Trey Landers' brother plays big-time college football for the Buckeyes, going for a national championship. And one of the bigger fans of Ohio State football, if you ask him. Yeah, he is, and he's he's an all-around good dude, too, so we're excited to have Trey Landers. We'll, of course, talk to him about Obi Toppin, his teammate, and Dayton having one of their best years, one of their best years, and hopefully for them, it's more than just recent history, because Dayton's always pretty good, but they're at their highest ranking since the 60s we're at number 13 right now, so we'll get to that. We got some of the updates with James Wiseman and how he's done. A lot more coming up here. It's Mad About Hoops. All right. This week we had the gracious opportunity to meet with one of, if not one of the most surprising teams in America right now with what they've been doing. And one of the stars on that team, a senior leader, we had guard Trey Landers of the Dayton Flyers join us ahead of this weekend's game versus Colorado in Chicago. Take it away. Trey Landers 
Dayton Flyer. Evil Bald Colin, these guys are awesome so far this season. I can't wait to talk to Trey. They've been so fun to watch, especially in the Maui tournament, man. It's been so great. Yeah, Trey, that's not fair. You and all of your teammates got to go to Maui. I mean, congratulations on getting to do that in your lifetime. That's that's awesome. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Oh, just living the life, man. Just talking college basketball and living the life. How about you? Uh, same old, same old, man. You know me, just maintaining it. So tell us about that trip to Maui. I mean, we could ask you a million basketball questions and how that game against Kansas was just freaking awesome for everybody to watch, but that had to be one cool trip that you got to take with all your teammates. Oh, uh, yes, yes, definitely a great experience. Uh, I would say definitely my team, one of the best tournaments uh, uh, around that time in the country, definitely in my team. Uh, obviously, for the most thing for us, you know, our, our thing was just going out there and just showing the world what we're capable of doing. You know, I think that was our biggest thing, obviously. You know, it's, it's a vacation after after the tournament stuff is over. It was great being there, but I think our biggest thing was we're just going down there and showing the world what we can what we can do and showcasing our talent as a team. So I think we did a good job at that. And obviously after that, you know, we got time to spend time on the beach and stuff, which is also a great experience with my teammates and everything. So. Yeah, Trey, so you talked about after the tournament, you came back, you had a couple of good games, you played against St. Mary's. You know, we see a lot of these teams go to these tournaments and they kind of struggle when they get back to the mainland. And, you know, teams like Oregon and Michigan had some tough stretches. I want to know, you know, is it just the camaraderie of your team? You're a very senior-led team, upperclassman team. Was it kind of just the leadership that helped you guys stay on track? You know, it's a business focus after that tournament too? Uh, yeah, we, we always preach never get too high, never get too low. You know, that's our biggest thing, you know. You know, a lot of people were, were kind of worried about us coming off of those those big games and winning those big games and, and trying to trying to say like, well, you know, you guys come off of this big win. How, how are you guys going to going to react when you play? You know, come back home and play other teams. And I think our our mentality stayed the same. You know, so our biggest thing, like I said, just continuing to to show what we can do. You know, regardless of who the opponent is and if it, whether it's a, a Big Ten team or ACC team or we play a team from a, a lower a lower conference. You know, I think our biggest thing is just keeping the main focus, the main focus. And I think we're doing a good job at that right now. Trey Landers, old number three for the Dayton Flyers, the number 13 team in America here in week seven of college basketball, is with us on Mad About Hoops. He's a 6'5", 220-pound senior. Now, for a lot of our listeners here that are heavy into Buckeye football, your brothers with uh, B.B. Landers, who I'm sure you're very proud of him. He's a fan favorite for doing what he does up the middle. How how different are you guys in age, you and, and Bob? Uh, we're all two years apart. Uh, my younger brother two years apart from me, so we're all two years apart. He's two years older than me. So how, like, w- don't, forgive me for this. The, I went over to UD Arena, I think it was a couple, it was a couple years ago. I've been trying to, like, scratch off all these different great college hoops venues just as a fan, and I saw UD Arena a couple years ago, and I wasn't as aware of you at the time because it started with me knowing your younger brother, and then I'm like, oh, yes, like, Trey, of course, this is the brother. I When I saw how athletic you were in person, I was like, wait a minute. This is that defensive tackles brother? I mean, this guy flies up and down the court. He's got hops. He can throw down with the best of them. How does that happen with the two of you being such different types of athletes? Well, we, we're both, like, crazy athletic. And obviously, like, he's, he's more heavy than I am. So he has a different type of athleticism than I do, you know, but – I mean, our, our genes, like with our my mom and our dad, they were very athletic. My mom played volleyball, my dad played basketball and stuff. So, you know, I, I think it's just something that, that goes along with our genes. You know, obviously me and him are built two different ways. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, we have two different type of athleticism that we bring to to our sport. So 
I think uh, that he just does a great job of showcasing his, and I try to do the best to showcase mine. It's just interesting to me to see brothers who I can imagine will be ultra competitive to then go separate paths as far as what sport you're going to specialize in. How did that go for you at a young age? Uh, well, actually, when I was younger, you know, I really loved football. Um, obviously, I didn't really get into that, like, because uh, I, I, I turned for the game of basketball and stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, growing up, we always continue to push each other. I mean, obviously, once I knew that basketball was, was the sport for me and football was the sport for him, I used to try to challenge him as much as I can, even though I wasn't a football player, you know, whether it was on the court or off the court in the classroom, you know, he just continued to push me, obviously, with him being my older brother and being that, that father figure role, you know, to me. So I think our biggest thing was pushing each other, obviously, when we, when we branched off into each of our sports and stuff. So I think that was the main thing for us, and we continue to do that today. All right, Trey, I want to get back to the court real quick. So this Saturday you have a big game in Chicago against the Buffaloes of Colorado. You know, this is a pretty good schedule for a mid-major team, but, man, what – what does a win like this in a neutral site could mean to your team on top of what you've already done this season? Uh, it'll mean everything. You know, obviously Colorado's a really good team. Uh, I think our biggest thing with them putting us out in the NIT last year in our season, I think, I think our biggest thing is just being locked back in and going in and, and, and getting that win. You know, obviously they've, they've been in the top 25 for a majority of the year, really, really good team. Um, but I also feel, you know, that we have a really good team. So, uh, if, if we go in and, and master the game that our coach is going to give us, I feel like we'd be just fine. Trey, I'm wondering, you know, Colin, who, by the way, his nickname is Evil Bald Colin. Then when you ever get it, when you get a chance to meet him, you're going to understand why. You're going to be frightened to death when he takes his hat off and just how thick, you know, how thick his beard is and how bald his head is with the contrast. But he he said something about your schedule in Colorado. I I find it really cool how. Yet you first of all, does a mid major distinction does that bother you at all? Do you get any like does that do anything to you guys as, as Dayton players? No, that, that doesn't bother us, man. I, I feel like, you know, everybody says mid major, low major, high major, that stuff doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's all about showcasing what you can do once you get on the court. You know, if you can play with the best of them, you can play with the best of them. And I think we're starting to show that to the world. So that mid major and all that, that stuff doesn't really it doesn't really affect me yeah. or my teammates at all, you know. Yeah, I, I say that because like me and, e- and Evil Ball Colin, we we actually love mid majors, and I don't think when people say it who are true college hoops fans mean anything like against schools that aren't in the power conferences. It's just it's just the way that it's set up. It's just how we're how we're known like to the verbiage for it, how to like say different conferences. I look at the A10. You got to love playing in this conference, right? I mean, with the you're so you're not in the Big Ten or the Big Twelve, whatever. You have some really really cool games that you get to play in every single year and you get to travel to some pretty cool places, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, we have a lot of games that are, are very exciting. You know, obviously with us having some of the best fans in the country, uh, you know, we sell out almost every game, you know, so our home games are always a, a great atmosphere to be in. Uh, obviously, when we play on the road against the VCUs, Rhode Island, you know, um, the Richmond, who's a really, really good team this year as well. You know, those, those games are very exciting. So we got a lot of, a lot, a lot of good teams in our conference, and obviously, you know, with the other teams in our in the eighteen, they're showing that in their non-conference games, you know, winning big games and stuff. So I think it's just more so of us putting the eighteen on the map and just letting people know, you know, that we're we're here to play as well. You know, putting putting the world on on awareness. Yeah, I, I just want to ask one quick quick question about some of the rule changes that happened this season. So obviously we know that the three-point line was moved back. And, I mean, just looking at the stats of your team, there's 
what, three guys averaging over 40% from the three-point line. It's red hot, man. It's it's kind of a two-part question. First off, have you noticed really any big difference from the line in terms of shooting behind it? And number two, one of the biggest things we're talking about with this line is it's created, you know, slashing lanes for guards. Have you noticed a difference with that in your game? Uh, Yeah, you know, I I categorize myself as a slasher, you know, so I think, you know, our coach, he previous spaces so much. And obviously with a three-point line being pushed back, it just opened up, you know, more driving lanes and, and more cutting opportunities for me, you know, as an individual and obviously for my teammates overall, you know. So obviously we'll have a really good point guard and a, a really dominant big and Obi Toppin. And, you know, you got Jalen and Rodney and, and Ivy and Ryan, those guys who can really stretch the floor, you know. It just makes my job much easier, you know. And obviously me slashing obviously opened up stuff for them. So I think it's just helping us work off each other, you know. Obviously just having that, that extra space and, you know, those extra couple inches, yeah, plays a big role in our offense. Trey Landers is our guest. We're really glad that he decided to join us today. This is awesome. He is an outstanding player for the Dayton Flyers, one of the best teams in the country, just an hour west of where the Ohio State Buckeyes are here in Columbus. And I got to ask you about your teammate, Obi Toppin. I mean, like this guy, this guy is so good. How many people have come up to you who weren't quite paying attention to Dayton hoops last year? And you're just like, yeah, I mean, I, I could tell you last year that this guy was going to turn out this way. What is going on with your teammate, Obi Toppin? Uh, you know, I think his main thing is that he's, he's, he's just becoming more confident in himself. Um, Obi has so many, you know, attribution skills to his game. You know, last year, he probably didn't, didn't really realize he had, you know. And I think last year, you know, and coming to this year, his, his confidence really boosted up. He's always in the gym, you know, always willing to get better watching film 24-7, you know. And he's willing to listen, whether it's from a coach or whether it's from a teammate, I think, which is, which is the best thing for him in his, in his red shirt year, you know, to really understand, like, okay, like, these guys are willing to help me, trying to help me, and it's only helping me get better, you know. So I knew the sky was the limit for Obi. And so the, the crazy thing is, I, I don't even think he's the best he can be right now. You know, it's, I, I think he can be so much more better. And I'm preaching that to him every day. So just, just staying on him and, you know, Obviously, you know, he has the opportunity to be a lottery pick, you know, so I just, I just try to emphasize to him and me and my teammates just, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, and continue to get better, like never be satisfied with what's going on, you know. How come you can't be number one pick in the draft, you know? Don't settle for being top 10 or top 15, you know. Try to be number one, you know, so we just continue to push him, and he continues to push us as well, you know. He doesn't let that that lottery and the NBA stuff ever get to his head, which I think is the, the greatest thing, you know, that, I, that I've seen from him, so he doesn't really get into that much, but it's, it's, it's great having him on my team, and I'm going to continue to push him as much as I can to help him be as successful as he can as an individual, whether it's on the court or off the court. All right, let's go from Obi to E.B. What does E.B. Watson meant to this team? You know, the, <laughs> the transfer from Michigan. We didn't really hear his name a lot in the, the preseason leading up to it, but, I mean, just watching him, and obviously you can look at the stats, he's done really well for your team. What has his impact been in this first year with the program? Oh, man, E.B., I, I, first off, you know, I, I've known him for so long, playing AAU with him, you know. I, I know that he was capable of a long time ago. But, um, you know, he, he's just showcasing what he does. You know, shooting the ball, he's been defending very, very, very well. Um, and, and he's just he's just embracing you know what he does and, and, and doing whatever he can to help the team, whether that's on the court or off the court, you know. And I think my biggest thing like that I give credit to him is is that you know him transferring in, you know, and, and now him coming off the bench and providing that spark for us, you know, that's, that's hard to, to sacrifice, you know. So I just think that, you know the biggest thing for him is just continuing what he's doing. And I feel like he's doing a great job, you know, getting with that spark off the bench, and and he's been real consistent with that. So I think that's just the biggest thing for him, and I appreciate him so much for that. Trey, the title of our podcast, Mad About Hoops, it kind of symbolizes 
both uh, both my and uh, EBC's love and passion for the game. That's kind of where we come up with the title. What do you love so much about this game of basketball that you play? Oh, man, I, I would say the biggest thing I love is it's obviously, you know, being on my teammates and stuff, but I think the biggest thing is building relationships. Um, basketball is all about that, you know, building relationships and connections, and I think that's just the biggest thing I love about it. Obviously, you know, I'm a competitor. I love to compete. Um in front of those crowds, you know, man, it just, it just playing like in front of that 13,500 uh, every other week, man, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Obviously, I'm so thankful that I, I chose Dayton, you know, and I'm thankful to, to be from Dayton. But I think I think the biggest thing is, is obviously embracing my teammates and, and building those relationships and stuff so, and connections. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing people need to start to realize. Like, obviously, basketball is a game of basketball. It's about competing and stuff like that. But it's so much more to it than basketball. Like, you know, you never know who you affect and – and who you play a role on, you know, whether it's kids, whether it's adults, you know, it, it's just the, the the impact from a basketball player is just much more than the sport. So I think that's the biggest thing I try to emphasize to other people that come up before, I mean, after me, you know. So I think that's just the biggest thing that, that I really love about the game. Trey, we want, to, uh, we want to thank you for coming on. Hey, where are you? What are you up to this afternoon, by the way? Uh, I'm actually grabbing some food right now with my cousin, <laughs> actually, but uh, – other than that, we got the day off, so I'm, I'm grabbing some food. I'm going to go back to, to my room, probably just chill, watch the game from last night, and, and just relax, you know. So I don't really have much plans today. <laughs> hey, get the film session in. You, you a Bill's Donuts guy, the famous donut shop over there in yeah, Dayton? Sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. We got, yeah. We got a yeah. Centerville dude around here who likes to bring us some boxes every now and then. It's pretty awesome. No, that's definitely the go-to when you want to get some donuts. Definitely Bill's. Hey, listen, you're you're a really fascinating dude. I think uh, your parents raised two great young men. We love your brother, BB. It was great to talk to you. And we talked about your, your journey and your path. And it's uh, you're doing a great job, so keep it up, man. Much success to you in, in basketball and everything else that you run into. Thank you, guys. I appreciate all for having me so much. Thank you. We're going to finish up Episode 7 of Mad About Hoops in just a second. Well, this is a this is an interesting choice to come back from. I like bringing you back with this. It's a lot of juice to end the show. This is how we do it, baby. Week seven, college basketball. It's time, man. We got a lot <laughs> of big games coming up. You know what? You're getting me ready to play. I might just take the flight out to Las Vegas right now. Oh God, you got uh, Ohio State taking on Kentucky. You got a lot of big games coming up this weekend that we're excited for. That Kansas Villanova game. As Ohio State fans, we wouldn't mind Villanova doing something, boosting up their net rankings by taking down the number one team in the country. We got a feeling there's going to be still more number one teams this year. Oh, I would say so. I mean, I'm. It's not like North Carolina is going to help you. I, I, I saw a bracket. Tell, I don't know if it was from Lunardi over at ESPN, but he said he dro- or the guy dropped out UNC and North or Kentucky was on the cut line. Like this, <laughs> the schedule is not unfortunately not turning out how you wanted it to. Kentucky's on what cut line? I, I don't know, but that was the headline. I, I don't know if it was like cut line of the tournament. I. I guess maybe Tim, today, but come on, I mean, today. boy. Well, I know, yeah. they'll make the tournament at the end of the year, but it's like, it just goes to show you that maybe these teams that you're playing aren't what you thought they were going to be. Or maybe it's just a sport in general, the top teams are not who you thought they were 
at the beginning of the year. No, I don't think it's that they're not who we thought they were. It's just that there's no clear-cut national champ favorite. There, we I thought we knew that going in. And look, I mean, Michigan State still is ranked 15th in the country at eight and three. They, look, they looked awful. I, at least to my opinion, they didn't look very good against Northwestern. They, well, no, they didn't. They didn't. And that's the was that the first Big Ten road win? I kind of lost track so. of that early this week, but that was only a five point win. And Northwestern is rough. And five and five overall. Right. I actually haven't paid a ton of attention to Northwestern basketball to know enough to make big blanket statements They're about their very team. Very up and down. I mean, they lost to a team that was in the first year of being a Division One team in Merrimack. Then they beat a team like Providence out of the Big East, and then they go and lose other small games too. They're very up and down. But at the same time, I mean, I guess we can get into it at some point. But the Big Ten. I said 5 through 12 is pretty interchangeable, and it's starting to look more and more like... I mean, even 1 through 4 is looking interchangeable. While there's a sector of Mm -hmm. teams... I mean, Maryland had 36 points with 3 minutes left against Seton Hall, who was missing their top two players. Miles Powell was gone. And Mamukulashvili. Sanjo Mamukulashvili. Kulashvili. I love saying that name. Yeah, that's a great name to say. But Powell's the the moneymaker for the Seton Hall Pirates. And speaking of him, by the way, like I get it. Like I, I know everyone's going to hate on games that are played like that. They'll, they'll happen. They will happen in college basketball. Seton blocked like 15 shots. That was one of the things that really popped off the page. They just had a defensive-minded approach to, to win that game. Miles Powell was asking his coach, after he took, see, he took a charge against Rutgers when they got, uh, Rutgers mopped the floor with Seton Hall, and that was a shocking win. Right. Rutgers might not be as bad as they've been. Like, they, they, clearly they aren't as bad as oh, they've been. Oh, I think been. they're a half-decent team. Yeah, they're a half-decent club. Powell took a charge, and you had me, like, focusing in on that one because I didn't see, like, that hard of a hit there. Like, he, he kind of got hit in the chest, and his head, you know, kind of bounced back, and maybe he hit his head on the floor but it was just a little bit because he still had some of his neck strength there where he was kind of holding his head up and then he took a a mean screen on the other end of the floor and that's when he kind of got stunned and you saw him actually walk over to the wing and he was just kind of out for that play and Seton Hall's coach in like the next break this was in his postgame comments he said Powell came up to him and asked him why are they practicing against Rutgers right now why are we practicing at Rutgers? So, whoa. So they say he's going to be out for some time, like meaning a lot of time. Yeah, I would assume As he's so. in the concussion protocol. And, yeah, thoughts go out to Miles Powell because this dude's a he's a game changer, man. He's a game breaker. Hopefully the break comes at the right time for him, especially with, you know, this gap in between playing your non-conference and going into your conference ter- or season at the beginning of January. You trying to make it uh, make your way out to Indianapolis this weekend? Crossroads Classic oh, Butler Purdue action two thirty on Saturday. I wish, but I'm going to be here operating that Kentucky Ohio State game. Yeah, you just can't have it all, can you? What's the other game there? Because I'm looking at my top twenty five scoreboard. It's got to be Indiana Notre Dame, I right? I think it is Indiana no- Notre Dame. Indiana yeah. Notre Dame. That's uh, that's one that I'm. I got to go. I got to go with the Hoosiers right there. They they are going to start things off. They'll be at noon. Hoosiers a ten and one club, Notre Dame's eight and three. Hoosiers get that thing done. They're going to be getting top twenty five consideration. 
They'll be knocking on the door on Monday. I do want to go back to the Dayton-Colorado matchup because I, I kind of hinted at it that it's going to be a large Dayton contingency there, but I, I'm not even joking. Like I had a lot of friends that went to Dayton. I knew a lot of people that went to Dayton. It's a very, in terms of the student body, is very heavily you know, influenced by the Chicago metropolitan area. Like it's There's so many kids that go from, to Dayton from the Chicago area, and there's a lot of alumni in the area. I think that's going to be a very good environment but it might honestly it might honestly feel like a home game for Dayton when they play there that's good I mean I love it Dayton basketball is so overlooked not just for the conference that they play in and it's not every year where Dayton is in the top 25 they're always very solid in the Atlantic 10 they're usually coached very well almost every coach that goes in there winds up going through the ranks Archie Miller he comes out of there and he gets the Indiana job Anthony Grant Maybe it's a chance for him to have a resurgence and find his way back up to a bigger job. Or hopefully for Dayton, they've got some success and he wants to make a home there and he wants to stay for a while. Well, I mean, this is coming from an idiot over here that thought he could be in trouble with his job before the season. Didn't we have a podcast here where we're like making believe like Shaka Smart goes to Dayton? And I'm like, wait a minute, that this doesn't make sense. Dayton's having one of their best years in recent history. By the way, thank you, Trey Landers, for stepping up and being on the podcast today. In the past couple of years, they kind of underwhelmed a little bit, but I think nationally they're well recognized for what they did in that one unfortunately tournament that was at the you know the hand of Ohio State in the first round or yeah the first round and they made that run beat Syracuse and whatnot. I think nationally team there's people respect them, but I don't think they're getting like the top 15 respect from people because they haven't done it on a consistent basis. And I also think it's really not going to happen until they take a bid from the Big East and join that conference. It's just, see, it's it's due time. Right. And you know what? I I have mixed feelings about that because I, I like to see mid-major conferences still have really good programs because there's we have so many programs in college basketball. And that's that's the great thing about our sport is that it can go beyond the power five teams. Sure. It really can. And maybe with the the future landscape of the sport that becomes even more of a thing where mid-major programs have more development and players that stay longer with this one-and-done rule here. We'll talk about James Wiseman and maybe the the bigger effect in just a second. But I I like – it's like we talked with Trey. Like, it's not a dirty word. Like, we don't say – It shouldn't be. Absolutely We don't say – like, some people get upset with the way millennials is thrown out there, and it sounds like a dirty word. It's like, what are you saying? That just because we have more screens in front of us, we're worse people? <laughs> that's just the environment, and that's the – that's the surrounding that I'm growing up in. I can't be faulted for that. Apple and Google decided to become big juggernauts. Like we have their, they shove their products in front of our faces. We can't help it. But I like the idea of Dayton being one of the better mid-major programs in America year in and year out. Yeah, I, and I will say something that favors your point of view in that, and especially an example is what happened to the Missouri Valley after what Wichita State left. I mean, it's been a dumpster fire, and you've had teams that are like 500 win Good that point. tournament. And, and they're go. the American, right? They went on to Wichita the State, yes, and that's, that's not a bad place for Wichita State, you know. Oh, I, I don't I, think that's a bad place for them, and I still kind of see them and view them as a mid-major team. Which They're is the American, weird. not the Big Twelve, you know. Which is weird because I, I think they're really the only consistent team that's kind of removed that mid-major label from them, even though they're technically one. Is obviously Gonzaga. They're technically a mid-major, but they're not. Yeah, that's the. That's the only one that's, that's kind of been. That's the bar, right? Yes. But they're in the West Coast Conference. I mean, they are they are in even 
more of a I don't know how to say that the right way. You know what I'm saying? They're in more or less cuz oh, I just 100%. made a thing I just made a thing about how mid-majors is not a dirty word, but they're in a lower level conference than a lot of these ones we're talking about. Yeah. Atlantic 10, Missouri Valley, um Mountain West, certainly you got to throw in there. Up there. Yeah. Right? Mountain West, the American that we just mentioned. Is that a mid-major? Yeah. Yeah, I think? I think the American qualifies. Hey, power conferences to me. You make a lot of Cincinnati fans angry. No, come on, come on. No, I, 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 do, I, I typically disagree with that notion that they're a mid-major conference, but that the I, Americans a major. I, I think I know you got the UConn group. there because they didn't have a place when things were switching basketball and football, and so that happened. Right. But then you look at the you do look at the West Coast Conference and their one two punch is as good as anybody's well, with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. And then BYU kind of sneaks around. BYU, you know what? All right. That's actually It's a good three. It makes me reassess. No, man, the rest of it is so bad. I mean, Pepperdine, Santa Clara. Uh, there's honestly there's a few I, I don't even know if I could name. Good job out of you just going five deep. Well, Santa Clara's actually in the had a West pretty Coast deep, Conference. Pr- pretty deep season. I think they are already at double digit wins. But, yeah, besides the point, the West Coast Conference, the WAC, some of those West Coast mid-major conferences are not very good right now. Uh, Again, we want to thank Trey Landers for Dayton for being on the podcast today. He is uh, a cool guy. He was great. Hey, he was grabbing a bite when he was talking to us. I mean, you know, guys got to eat, right? He's out there probably uh, right. hanging out, hanging out with his boys, getting getting a bite, getting some food. Dayton had a, a big week here, and as we're recording this on December twentieth on a Friday, big game as we we're just talking about against Colorado in Chicago. So before before we go, we talked about this on some other pods. James Wiseman, he is done. He is officially done with college basketball. Your initial reaction to him saying, screw the rest of this suspension, I'm going to be a top pick in the draft, I'm hiring an agent, and I'm leaving the program. I assume that means he's leaving school, too, leaving the program. Going to prep, going to prep for the next step. I think it's the right decision, and I honestly think when the time comes when Cole Anthony has to make the decision, I think it's the right thing for him to do it, too. I I just don't really know what he gained from it, and I, I know a lot of people based in Memphis are talking about, you know, is he going to regret this decision I, I don't really think so. I, I don't know how invested these guys are when they're, especially when they know they're a one and done type of player, that their college years is really going to mean to them once they get into the NBA. And at that point, I would, yeah, I would much, it, it kind of goes with the idea with the bowl games, and you'd rather sit out the bowl game and help your draft stock. I think that's kind of what we're doing here. There's not really a whole lot James Wiseman can do to improve his stock. He's already considered a top five guy. At the, that point, get your agent set up, get everything started, and start the process. I'm okay with that. Yeah, he did say, by the way, he's withdrawing from the University of Memphis, so it sounds it sounds like that's what he's doing. I mean, I do, I, I will sit here till the end of time, and I will say a, a college education, no matter what you're going to go into, is something that, that can be valuable, especially now that he's going to go and make that kind of money. He uh, He'll be able to take care of himself. I actually do believe that when when you are going to be an NBA star making this kind of money, the university, they don't need to hook you up. Like you, you hear about like how some guys get to come back and the scholarship still used. If you got a dude that's making like big time NFL money, like if it's Michael Thomas for Ohio State, I don't know like which guys 
have graduated. I'm just shooting from the hip, but just play the scenario out. If you're James Wiseman, you're going to be making just millions and millions. Memphis could maybe throw that scholarship money to the next guys that are coming up because he's he's good. He's going to be fine. I If I were him, I'd still be thinking about in my off seasons down the line, taking advantage of that because I can, because I've got that kind of money. But yeah, it's just... Well, I think Greg Oden's a great example. Greg of that. Oden. Yeah, Greg Oden. And I think maybe Ohio State has hooked that up. I, I'd I th- have to look into that. I thought they did with Cardale. I could be wrong, but they, they kind of did something like that. Because Greg Oden would be exactly what I'm talking but about. Yeah. You don't need to hook Greg Oden up. He was the number one overall pick oh, yeah, in the NBA. He made great money. Right. Great money, whether he had his career derailed by injuries or not. But on on the next podcast. I think it would be fun to just take a bigger look at how you address this because there's a bigger issue there's a bigger issue at play than just James Wiseman deciding to shut it down to get ready for the draft. You cannot say that this does not have something to do or a lot to do with him being suspended for 12 games. I kind of look at this CB and say the NCAA just successfully chased off one of the best players it had in its sport right. this year. I'm curious though, has he do we know for sure if he's paid off the eleven point or eleven thousand fee or charity price he's gotta pay? Hey, you know what? I would if I were him, I would make it a fifty thousand dollar donation when I get my signing bonus. Cause I'm wondering if he hadn't paid it yet and that'd probably be one of the stipulations for him to be eligible to play again, he probably just threw up the proverbial peace you know, peace yeah. i'm out well and it was going to be a deal where he there was some kind of prorated thing like they were going to let him was that going to be the case they were going to let him pay that back in increments or whatever but i don't know why they wouldn't have just said hey pay it back when you get your signing bonus because you're going to be a top-notch nba star <laughs> so why wouldn't you have just done that no suspension play maybe he still would have decided and you, we couldn't control that. Maybe he still would have decided to leave Memphis, but I have a hunch he might have wanted to enjoy a nice, fun year at Memphis and maybe play in the NCAA tournament and be a top 10 ranked team and have a lot of buzz and excitement around their program and their city. We'll never know now. We'll never know. One thing we know with the NCAA is that logic is never really used in this situation, but I know you talked before starting this podcast about this kind of coincides with the one-and-done rule, and will that ever be taken away? And I do think, and I agree with you, that it's going to be and how you would stipulate that. Um, I don't know if you could just go back to the standard rule that was there when LeBron and those guys were coming up through the system, or if you want to do something similar to like an MLB draft style thing where they have the rights of the player after they draft them. I know you want to talk about that in further length down the road. But yeah, we can have we can have a good 15 20 minute conversation about this cuz there's there's just, so many coaches, intriguing. there's so many coaches yeah. that have offered their insights on, on this before and coach K in the off season when he was looking at the news that Adam Silver was going to wind down the one and done rule. I think maybe by 2022, the NBA is going to abolish that. So it'll be back to, if you're a LeBron James type player, you can be drafted number one straight out of high school. But Tom Izzo will look at something like that and say, well, that's just, there's so few of those guys that really could come in and help an NBA team. Like a Zion clearly would, you know, he, he would, but there could be a lot of guys that 
still shoot themselves in the foot, even if you abolish the one and done rule that would then just say they want to hire an agent and try for the for the league right out of high school. And maybe they need some development and they could use college basketball. So it's a slippery slope. And it's very interesting, no matter what we do, if we stay at one and done, if we take it away and let guys go in right out of right out of high school, it's there could still be some bad decision making. Well, could you I don't really want to parlay this into the football aspect too, but would you say the same thing as let's say a guy waves his final year goes and goes undrafted? Would you have that same rule upheld cross sports like that? Like, is that something you would make NCAA wide for their draft processes? Say that again. So like with the, with the NFL and you can go get drafted, let's say you wave your senior year, you want to go into the draft mm-hmm. and you go undrafted. Or you go like seventh round and you want to go back. I absolutely. I think that's one of the, thank you for bringing that up. That is a prime example of something the NCAA should just relax on. Completely relax on. I mean, where are we now with the NBA like walkthrough? Were these guys hiring agents or were they just like allowed to meet with agents? To do like the to test the waters, you can because we've had something here with testing the waters recently. It, it's kind of grown in the past couple of years, but I, I thought originally you could just meet with them, and you know, kind of go through the draft process. But the minute you sign them, you're kind of locked in. But I think that's kind of been lifted a little bit recently. But we've we've had issues like that with the guy Childs out there at BYU. He ran into an, a situation where he signed something. And was that was just to paperwork. Return. He wasn't even like signed on with an agent. It was just something with paperwork. Goodness. And they gave him a 10-game suspension. This is a really good player for BYU basketball. I remember hearing Billis at the Maui about that just beside himself, how ridiculous it was that he had to sit out a second of college basketball for that. Stupid stuff like that. So, yeah, if guys find out that you know, they want to try, but then they realize, all right, that wasn't working out, maybe you even get feedback from – from the league after you sign with an agent or whatever, and they say, yeah, we'd want you to develop in college basketball or college football, whatever it is, any sport. Yeah, I think that's step one. But I just don't understand. I just don't understand how you can have that model. You already have it basically in baseball. How can you not translate that to your other sports? I don't know. I don't get that. I don't know. I don't get it either. Like baseball's oh, le- college baseball is way less high profile than the other two we're talking well, they about. They don't even get out full scholarships, so yeah. No. And they even have a minor league system, which makes that more fascinating. Right. Because college basketball is the major farm system. Well, that's where all of the best players, there's a handful of international guys, but American college basketball, the majority of these guys, when you watch an NBA draft, they came up through that playing for Duke or Kentucky or wherever. We're going down a different road here, but I mean, with the the rumors of that, the major league system is going to get shrunk in, in some way, shape or form could kind of affect how that system works. But at the same time, the model is what I'm looking at. The model could work in both sports, basketball and football. I don't know why there's such a divide. All right. I'm Timmy Hall. He's Evil Bald Colin. It's good to see you again, man. Good luck to your Butler Bulldogs. Thank you. We're definitely going to need it. Good luck to the Ohio State Buckeyes taking on Kentucky. I hope all you college basketball lovers out there have a good weekend watching your teams play as we'll be rolling into week eight of the college basketball season. And if we don't hit you up with another one, Merry Christmas.
Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. And then you'll have that big game in Cleveland versus West Virginia. So you got to get ready for that, too. Yeah, we'll be with you at some point next week to drop another podcast to get ready for the, the following weekend. But if we don't see you before Christmas Day, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you're out there celebrating. Make sure that it's warm, pleasant, and safe, and eat lots of great food. Lots of great food. All right. Have fun, everyone. Another episode of Mad About Hoops in the books.